Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode, live again here on uh, on YouTube. Just wanted to jump in, have a response to the uh, rather interesting and, in our opinion, uh, potentially significant comments made by uh, Michael Alford and others at uh, Florida State's most recent Board of Trustees meeting. So um, we're actually going to play just the full 10 minutes of this. I think it's worth... Uh, not only <laughs> you, the listener, but us, the the host, uh, again, a, a chance to listen to this and have as much perspective on where some of these comments are coming from. And then we can give you an idea as to maybe just by the behind the scenes stuff, but also a little bit more of a broader landscape. So as always, we'll thank our sponsors, uh, Tarpon Sellers Wine Company, fantastic people. Uh, and obviously, we we'll always talk about Legendary Home Loans, Chad and Shadden, the legendary team, uh, fantastic people, kind of butchered their names, not fully there, so I'm just going to roll with it, uh, but 844-FSU-LOAN, been great people for us, been great people for Bud, and uh, we are approaching 500 uh, listeners uh, finding either a mortgage or refi uh, via them and our podcast, so that's incredible, and uh, Bud, let's fire it up, like we said won't be more than 10 minutes or so. And then we will uh, come back and give our thoughts on what we think is a, a, a fairly significant conversation. Let's do that. So just send, setting the table here, a uh, board of trustees meeting is uh, five hours long. This is the video uh, from that. Uh, make sure in the chat, you, you can hear the sound. Uh, I tested this beforehand and I could, so just want to make sure live that we don't send out a product where y'all can't hear it. Uh, if we do need to summarize, we will. And uh, yeah, if you've already heard this, go ahead and throw us a like on the video and go grab yourself a, a beverage and come back in literally like 10 minutes and 15 seconds. So, all right, here we go. Counselor Egan are spending, I don't know, you use the word 90% of your day <laughs> the other day on it, but it, uh, it is uh, an important topic that we're constantly monitoring what's going on in the country uh, regarding television contracts. And I want to brag on us a little bit. Um, we currently represent 70% more viewers than the typical ACC school. Speaks to the power of the brand. And when that logo was on television, that we attract eyeballs. And we ranked 14th in the nation in viewership. And we went back and measured 2014 to 2022. This does not include the ACC network. So we went back and looked at all the games and the viewer numbers, and we were, we are 14th in the country in viewership during that time, which once again showcased the power of the brand. And I would say our performance on the field was not the highlight during that time, but we were still attracting viewership. Just our game last year against LSU drew 7.6 million viewers, making it the network's third most viewed Sunday night opener in record. And our game, uh, I guess that other school in the middle of the state, uh, averaged a 3.4 rating, drew nearly 7 million viewers on, a ABC, on ABC over the holiday weekend. And it was the highest rated and most watched college football game on that day after Thanksgiving since 2011. And AC's, ABC's most watched game on that date since 2005. So our viewership is higher or equal to all that of the major conferences, including the SEC, and 30% better than the Big Ten on average. During this time, four million is kind of the, the mark that you want to hit. You want to hit four million on a game. During this time from 2014, 2022, we had 17 games that were above the $4 million, $4 million viewership threshold, which is the industry benchmark, as I mentioned, and we had three just this past season. So I brought this up because I wanted everyone to understand the brand is very strong when it comes to our conference, when it comes to looking at us within this playing field nationally that we attract eyeballs. We had the highest average regular season viewership in a conference, which is 1.7% higher than the ACC average in the CFP area. And I mentioned the 4 million threshold if you take Florida State and Clemson and put us together, we account for 51% of all 4 million plus viewership games in the ACC. 
And that's normalizing everything when you measure this. You measure your opponent, TV channel, time, team performance. When you do all that, we draw the best in the ACC. Now I want to talk a little bit about television contracts across the country. When, when the media contracts come in, ABC, Fox, et cetera, and negotiate with our conference, they're looking for a couple of factors, what goes into it. They look for TV viewership numbers, which I just pointed out. They look for TV households in your marketplace, which we happen to live in a, a great marketplace in the state of Florida. And they measure your football basketball performance. When you look at that as a TV, uh, ESPN or anyone coming in once again, the kind of the rule of thumb is 80-20. 80% of that media is going to be geared towards football, 20% towards basketball. That's just kind of when they go in with their variables and negotiate these deals, that's the numbers they're playing with. Us in the ACC, as you see on this slide, we're locked in to the 2036 season. Each autonomous five conference gets to go to the open market before uh, our deal is even up, some of them a couple of times. The Big Ten went in in 2023 with their new deal, and, the, and it goes to the 2030 season. So they'll be signing a new contract and go to market once again ahead of us in 2029. The SEC with the two with Texas and Oklahoma coming in received a new deal that kicks in next year, and that lasts to the 2034 season. So they'll be signing a new contract, going to market once again before our deal comes up for even a more profitable deal in 2033. The Big 12 just signed a new agreement that start kicks in in 2025 to 2031. So they'll be signing a new agreement sometimes in 2030. And if you read all the, the articles right now and the rumors going on, there's, they're looking at possibly going into the PAC 12, PAC 10 now, and looking at members of what's gonna go on with that conference. But the Pac-12 must sign a new TV deal shortly. We're hearing everything media chatter indicates it's gonna be a shorter contract and should be done in the next two weeks. And if not, then you read about the Big 12 possibly going in and getting some teams, which would really leave the Pac-12 uh, vulnerable for some other teams to be sitting in the open market, um, ready to be taken away. So I'll say this just because I wanted to point out that we contribute around 15%. If you take the ACC agreement and you look at what ESPN, what ABC, what all the media outlets measure, we represent 15% of the ACC's media agreement, Florida State. But we only receive 7% of the distribution. Us and Clemson account for 24% of the overall media agreement with the ACC. And if you look at the numbers there, the Big Ten is projected to distribute about 80 million on average to their members and the SEC about 72 million on average to their members. Right now, when you throw everything in, we receive about 42 million. So that would put us literally 30 million behind our competitors and peers across the country. And that's 30 million every year as these contracts till 2036. And remember, some of them go to market again, so that number's even gonna get larger. So I'll say all this just because we're in deep discussions and with Chairman Collins and President McCullough and Carolyn, we're, we're in the weeds on everything that will impact the future of FSU revenues. Everything from the CAGR on things like sponsorships and ticketing to the potential of, I just pointed out, our media rights impact, um, and even looking into windows. These agreements come up. What windows would be opening up if, if some of these realignment dominoes fall? If the Big 12 was to get some teams from the pack, that's gonna open up some windows. If the Big 10 goes and gets some other teams from the pack that are left out, that's gonna even open up other media windows where we can't go and have that brand showing anymore. Any questions on the media? Any questions? Anybody want, anybody want to take their first shot at that? <laughs> Other than saying we have to do something? And we're working every day. 
uh, President and I are talking daily uh, about our future. And, and we worked with the chairman. I mean, we have our revenues probably known and probably different options better than any other athletic department in the country. We go out to 2042 on projected revenues. Uh, hired a consultant to come in and really work with us on it and, and evaluating and every option that we have going forward. But we have to do something but, because we are a brand and we're a very important brand and we drive the media value in this conference. And we're con consistently talking to the conference. I know the president and I sit in meetings <coughs> where we're making sure that they understand of our value to this conference. But at the end of the day, if something's not done, we cannot be 30 million behind every year compared to our peers. I think um, one of the slides that you showed us last time, if you took the conference revenue away and put us in the SEC, our athletic department revenue ranks third. Third. Third in the SEC and third in the Big Ten. And third in the Big Ten. That's how well we do aside from the conference payouts. But if you take that and then every year you're losing 30 million or you're 30 million behind to your competitors, you got to do, now you've got to be better than everybody in the country by a long shot to yeah. overcome that. And yes. that's just, I mean, it's almost impossible. If it's not. impossible. Um, so we're working with the conference right now. We're talking to them about how we rev create a revenue distribution model that takes in factors of who you are, how you produce, how you play, what your brand is, um, working with other athletic directors on that. I know the president and I sit in some meetings on it. So uh, we're working with the conference. Don't know if we're going to get there. Um, don't know what the revenue redistribution model will make that up. I know it won't make that up, but what can it make up? So there's, they're working on options, but at the end of the day, for Florida State to compete nationally, something has to change moving forward. Okay. Michael, is, is the any kind of buyout even feasible? Of the conference? Right. Counselor? Sir. I'm going to. That is an excellent question. <laughs> the bylaws have language in there uh, governing exit from the conference um, and what the cost is of exiting the conference. And it is uh, written in there that it is three times the operational budget of the annual operating budget of the ACC is what the bylaws of the ACC said. Today, that's about 120 Today, if using today's numbers, it'd be roughly 120 million. Is that up front or over a period of time? It actually prescribes how it should be paid out, um, which is withholding of distributions and then due um, at the exit time. The balance is due is what the bylaws say. Just hypothetically, if we made another $30 million in a year, in four years, we'd be breaking even to pay, the, pay that out then, roughly? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, bud. All right. Hypothetically. I think this is where they start talking about like legislation. Yep. All right. So hypothetically, man. Yeah. Uh, 120 million piece, and that's that's it, right? Yeah, sir. I would say it is, but that simple. Uh, yeah, hundred. I mean, look, hundred. If it was 120 million, as we are fond of saying uh, on this show, Florida State can find 120 million by the close of business tomorrow. I mean, that's, that's not why you're here. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting that you don't get into a grant of rights conversation there. I mean, we can discuss that, but that's another cost that certainly has to be figured out. And, um, you know, 100, 125 million, 126 million, whatever the exit fee is. Um, that's not, it's not why Florida State's here. Florida State would be gone if that's what it was. And uh, you can, you know, spill that out over a good amount of years and that's not all that financially prohibitive um a grant of rights number that could fluctuate anywhere from 500 to 700 million dollars depending on who you talk to uh that's that's why you're here and, and not just that figure but also the kind of convoluted nature of still what would have to you know uh take place and and the ownership of media rights and where money would actually be going etc it's it's not nearly as simple as as maybe 
just watching a, a quick uh, 10 minute conversation at a board of trustees meeting uh, might make it look like, and I'm not trying to say that anybody's making it try to sound easy there, uh, but you can't maybe go into all the details uh, despite the five hours and 11 minutes that they devoted to uh, that and other conversations. That's, that's quite the meeting. Yeah, that, that is a serious meeting. And they actually, they, they, they took lunch and worked through it. I, I watched a good bit of this. Um, not, not all five hours because most of it was not athletics. Um, who, who's the intended audience here for, for Alford's comments and the, I, I'm not going to say that the Q and a was a, was a setup or arranged, but, uh, I'd be shocked if the people asking the questions on these numbers didn't already know what the answers to the questions were for the right. most part. Yeah. I, so it makes me wonder like who, who is the intended audience here, mm-hmm. right? Who, who are they trying to get this message out to and why, why now? Uh, it's interesting, man. Uh, I uh, like this conversation, just being very candid and clear here. There are things uh, that in my involvement with the Battles in make the Nolcastle a little bit more challenging as far as what I talk about. I'm eager to jump into this conversation because we're really more having a, a broader landscape conversation. I'm not you know, at, at risk of saying something that I shouldn't or making somebody feel like I've betrayed their confidence uh, that, you know, I sat in a meeting on Monday and on Tuesday, I talked about it on the Nolcast or something. That's not what you want to do. Um, and candidly, this is a topic that this conversation uh, has been frequented on this podcast for 20, 10 or 12 years now. And the, the issues, uh, the dollar figures have changed. The issues really haven't. Uh, this has just kind of continued to grow and uh, perhaps crescendo to some extent. I believe that conversations like these probably privately have taken place uh, prior, but obviously you've never seen anything um, as direct. And Michael Alford or Peter Collins or nobody else in that video didn't know what the ramification of those comments were going to be. It's significant. And uh, maybe that's where we can circle back to your very good conversation, bud. Who who was the intended uh you know, audience here. Now, Clemson, I think, is the easy one. You sit there and listen to him. He goes out of his way, in my opinion, to reference Clemson twice. But I think Clemson and Florida State have had a very solid working relationship for a decade or so on this subject matter and communicate with each other, not, you know, not daily or anything else. But I I don't think either one of them does something without the other having an idea as to what's coming. I'll put it that way. Uh, My perhaps even moderately conspiratorial mind Uh, immediate goes that this may be more geared towards what I would describe as maybe the upper and middle class of the ACC. Um, I wonder if this isn't geared towards schools like Pitt, NC State, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and I'm not trying to troll when I say this, but maybe Miami. Uh, Maybe the schools that don't think that in their heart of hearts that they are going to get an SEC or an ACC invite. And, um, you know, maybe – if you know that the head of the conference, I mean, the head of the conference basically just went out of its way and said, we're leaving. Maybe you pay us a little bit more in the meantime. Maybe we have some some revenue um, inequality that puts a Band-Aid on this situation for a couple of years, but we're gone. Sounds like Clemson's probably gone. Uh, why don't you guys figure out where your landing scale, uh, place is? And, and I wonder if this isn't somewhat of a uh, structured dynamite being thrown into the conference and just saying, uh, Hey, look, uh, this is what's going to happen. You guys might want to start planning on it otherwise. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, you you don't, you don't put this out there publicly unless you're trying to get some other folks to do something for you. Right. Or to do something that helps themselves, which also ends up in turn helping you. Uh, Now, whether that is to like, sow the seeds of, of panic, at those mid-level schools and make them start to think, Hey, and Alfred mentioned this, if the PAC 12, if they don't get their deal done the way they want it, right. If that number comes in low thirties, high twenties or something weird. Right. Uh, and, and it's a short, short deal. And that means that maybe Oregon and Washington are more on the table for an, another league. And some other league is looking for more dance partners. You know, maybe you are encouraging those mid-level, ACC schools to start thinking, hmm, what what's our exit strategy in 2037? Because it, it's clear that FSU and Clemson aren't going to be around uh, if things continue the way that they are currently acting. Uh, and maybe 
they figure out that backup plan and then maybe all of a sudden the ripcord's pulled and hey, that backup plan becomes a lot sooner than 2037. Uh, I, I certainly don't think this is solely uh, about unequal revenue sharing. I, I think the timing is interesting. Uh, Alfred in the video said that he expects the PAC 12 deal to get done within a couple of weeks. Um, speaking of a couple of weeks, it also strikes me that FSU and all the ACC schools just had their conference meetings, what, two weeks ago now or three weeks ago now? And I have not heard anything that makes me think that those meetings went well in mm -hmm. terms of unequal revenue sharing. So maybe this is FSU publicly venting on this as well to signal to other leagues publicly that they are willing to do th some things that are outside the norm, perhaps, as far as the way that you come up with the money to get out of this. Like you mentioned, I, and I agree with you. I think if they needed to come up with 125 tomorrow, they could. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think now there's ways you do it, but I think they could get that. If they need to come up with 750 million, that's a little different, but I, I do think there are creative ways they could do that. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think it's it's probably a reaction to whatever happened with the unequal revenue sharing stuff. I think it's signaling both of your intentions, but also maybe to try to inspire some other, other teams within your league to uh to do some stuff. Um, I, I also like, I don't know. Go ahead. I, I've, I've been rambling here for a little bit. This is, it's very interesting. If you watch this, it is, it is interesting. I wonder if it's not, um, you know, if, if you're signaling to others that back channel communication is very real at this point, you know, because that's always kind of going on in this place. And, you wonder really where a um, organization may be. And uh, again, perhaps encouraging others to back channel. Um, I'll have to go back and look at this. I know we specifically waited until August 15th last year to address this topic because that is the date in which you have to file for your leaving conference. And we didn't want our conversation to be misconstrued that we were saying, Hey, in the next eight days, Florida state is going to leave the ACC or something like that. And conversations about conference realignment tend to um, t people tend to hear what they want to hear in them and then say, Oh, well, I thought, I thought the, you know, the Noel cast or uh, war chain or Noel's two, four, seven or whoever said, Oh, Florida state's leaving in six days or whatever. And that's not what we were trying to say at all. But I had a conversation with somebody that had previously uh, worked in this space uh, within the ACC had left that job and was in a place to have a much more candid conversation with me than they had had uh, ever before. And uh, my biggest takeaway from that conversation, and it's what we talked about, I think we actually did this maybe rather than a Duquesne game preview. I'm just kind of thinking here live time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when this was. I'll, it was I'll, after, I'll drop this in the chat. Yeah, somewhere between chat. August 15th and, and a more meaningful game after LSU. Uh, we'll put it that way. Um, but I said at the time after talking to him uh, that I thought the path out of getting out of the ACC is actually dissolving the ACC. Uh, and I think you've got to hit a number, uh, it's either eight or nine, depending on who you talk to the schools that choose to leave. And again, if you think there's a certain level of institution in this conference, uh, that's going to get an invite to the SEC or the big 10, which I would put Florida state in that pod, I would put Clemson in it. And despite what the table that <laughs> Mr. Alfred referenced there, I would put Virginia and UNC in that uh, category as well. Um, and then it starts to become a lot of maybes, depending on, uh, you know, what conference you're looking at and how good of a fit you might think it could be for another conference. But um, I think that's the play here. Look, and, and ironically enough, I said this on last week's podcast. I talked to a person who I will tell you is an expert in this space. And their comment on the grant of rights was the lawyer who wrote that sleeps very well at night. You're not getting out of the grant of rights, in my opinion. I think you've got to approach it differently. So agreed. Yeah. I, I, two things here, I, because some are very smart commenters in the chat and I don't, I don't mean this sarcastically like, like folks who generally make pretty intelligent comments are like, Hey, 
what's keeping them from leaving if they had the money for the 120 million? Well, they would forego all their TV revenue because the ACC would still own their TV revenue, right? Their rights, literally their grant of rights. That is a mm -hmm. grant of your television rights for your home games. The ACC would still own that through 2036. And that is where we think that's probably somewhere between half a billion and three quarter billion dollars. Billion, not not million. Um, so I agree with you. Also, like, I don't know, I, a couple of people emailed us this. I don't know where this is from, but it, it looks like, like an iPad note. Um, ACC grant of right loopholes. The direction FSU and Clemson lawyers will, will go with getting out of the grant of right deal with the ACC will be through multiple clauses slash loopholes like performance clauses can be compared like brand v. brand. For example, Vanderbilt and the SEC being paid $25 million more than, than their much larger brands. Uh, also, how the ACC isn't holding up to their end of the bargain uh, of getting the most money for their brands. Big 10 records are being paid 26 to $31 million more than both FSU and Clemson are being paid in the ACC. I don't believe FSU and Clemson are bluffing. They feel confident they have a way out coming in the next few years. I do not agree with that. Nobody I talk to yeah. agrees with that. It sounds like nobody you talk to agrees that there, there's just a really poorly written no, document. No, man. If it was no, a poorly written on. document, we'd be we, doing the, the SEC NOLCAST right now or whatever. You know, right. I mean, we, yeah. you're not here. Nobody, there's a reason That's why nobody challenged it. Um, and I, I'm not belittling anyone, but I happen to value the opinion of the 30-year con athletic contractual <laughs> uh, legal expert mind that I talked to a week ago more than I do a notes document. Um, so I would agree. Yeah, I just wanted to address that because a couple people sent that to us. Um, and I'm not trying to be, you know, wild conspiracy here, but and I it caught my eye when I or my ear when I first listened to it, and, and again when I watched it, I wonder what Michael Alford's talking about when he talked about Windows. Because there's not look in windows and like I, I really wonder if he's more referencing windows of landscape change, windows yes. of of other conferences making moves. And that is where I fall back to my opinion that I think Alfred and again, and I'm not, you know, we're <laughs> I'm not trying to find triangles and everything, but I, I love uh maybe thinking that there's more thought to that to that chart that he pulled up and showed the value when you look at that. A lot of those schools are the schools that I think another conference besides the Big Ten or the or the SEC has to find value in in finding. And I wonder, again, if that's not somewhat geared towards the the Louisville, NC State, Pitt, Miami's of the world, Virginia Tech. Um, you know, there was a time where I thought Virginia Tech might get a SEC bid. I don't think that's on the table at this point. I, I think some of these schools, if they were to see the Big Twelve as a more safe landing spot and perhaps the big 12 would circle back and add you know virginia tech nc state uh pit and, and pair them with west virginia then you know maybe that's something that they would feel comfortable and then also what's going to take play in this once these pieces do start to move um is that state politics get involved so i think virginia tech would have to have a landing space for virginia to move doesn't yeah. mean they have to go to the same conference but you've got to know that somebody's not getting left behind. And the Although, same thing applies in, in North Carolina. NC State's I mean, look, going to have to have a place to land if UNC is going anywhere. NC State is a wildly influential political force in the state of North Carolina. You know, the uh, California Board of Regents, they huffed and they puffed, but they did not blow that house down for UCLA, right? They, they complained about it. Hey, you need to take Cal. They made them pay Cal, though, didn't they? A little Our, bit. A little yeah, bit, okay. but, it, but it's it's kind of pennies compared to what they're going to get. Mm -hmm. And we 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 saw all the bluster come in the Oklahoma legislature when Oklahoma left and did not take Oklahoma State and and you know yeah. ba Baylor and Texas Tech and TCU uh, who are all within even SMU complaining all within the state of Texas. So I I don't disagree with you that there's a lot of good old boy politics that will impact that kind of stuff. It has certainly been impactful in the past. I think you're right to question as to whether or not it's going to be as strong as it has uh, moving forward. But I, with I'll, that, I'll, with, I'll stay pretty strong on my NC state opinion. I'll put it that way. I think that's fair. I also Alford made a comment in this, that the you know, things they look at, right. Are on field success of football and basketball. Okay. Which Luckily for FSU, basketball success is not all that important compared to football. 
Although nice win over the Canes. Uh, that, that was that was pretty dope. But he said, you know, eyeballs and then market size. I'm of the that in order has changed as far as what matters. It used to be, and this is the almost the entire reason why Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Maryland is too. that right? Is that r- market size mattered more? Now, Alfred presented that you were already you're in a great market, being that you're in, in the state of Florida, which is you know technically true. Although the SEC already has that market, the Big Ten does not, and we'll see what happens with the Big Twelve. Oh, they do have UCF now. Um, I I wonder, though, if that continues to decrease in importance as we get better at measuring actual eyeballs as opposed to just, like, landmass. Right. Right. Do you actually need Virginia and Virginia Tech 10 years from now? Yeah. And, and the fact that we're getting away from it, it, it used to be cable box math. You know, That's what I'm ha- saying. Ha- yeah. yeah. How, many, how many boxes in a market – uh, and as we move more a la carte and everything else, then yeah, I do. I do think we get away from that. Okay, just two second re- or fifteen second recap. The Big Ten took Rutgers because it was trying to get distribution of the Big Ten network throughout the Northeast corridor. Rutgers got you Jersey, and it got you the New York market with Cablevision. I think it was was the cable company at the time. Yeah, and that got you an additional, you know, hundred million or whatever it was cable boxes, and at forty cents a month, that's a really nice business pl- uh, ploy right there. If the big 10 had to expand now, I do not think they would, they would have taken Rutgers. Right. Um, so I wonder like how important is Virginia? Virginia does not seem all that serious about sports. If you look at what they just did in football, higher wise basketball, they're, they're not bad baseball. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that, all of these existing ACC schools are going to go big time, but mm-hmm. you need eight of them to, if you're going to try to break up the granite rights in that way. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I tend to think, and uh, look, I'm, I'm biased here. Uh, my dad's side of the family growing up in that state and, and many of them going to Virginia. Uh, I tend to think that if the big 10 got a chance to add UNC and Virginia, they would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, your Virginia is literally one of like the five best institutions public in ivy type thing uh, i mean it's it is yeah. a public ivy it's as influential on wall street as any college other than harvard or yale uh, it, it's just it's uh it's virginia uh one of the bigger more influential business schools one of the bigger more influential law schools uh it is um and it's also the a, a flagship university of a growing state uh which is still something that the big 10 needs to be concerned with as far as overall uh, large term, long term, and, and large scale population growth. So, um, I I've had some people whose opinion that I value uh, dearly give pushback on that, and I may be wrong, uh, but I do think uh, with the Big Ten, with their model, and particularly with their uh, level of importance with academics and and uh, overall affluence of an alumni, I would be blown away if uh, if UVA didn't get an offer uh, in some form or fashion. Which, if you are the Knowles, you, you you want that. You don't you don't want the Big Ten or the SEC finding reasons to not take teams, because that makes it harder for you to get to that magical number of eight to blow up that grant of rights. Um, okay, so we don't think unequal revenue sharing is coming, or we don't think meaningful unequal revenue sharing is coming. I'm hesitant to almost spend time on it, to be honest with you, because I just don't think it matters, man. I, th- I think yeah. it's a Band-Aid. I think it's a, a partially kind of a <laughs> maybe a little bit of a uh, you going to pay me now because in two years I'm leaving anyways. And I'm just going to I don't know if humiliates the right word, but I want my money. Uh, and also, I don't mean to be um, well, one, it's also beneficial if you're going to start to talk about financing things you want to show as high of an annual income. Uh, as possible. So you'd rather show mm-hmm. that your conference has given you an extra $11 million a year or whatever, before you try to finance some large, uh, large table. And also, and I, you know, let's not get caught up in this world where, Oh, you know, five, 10 million don't matter. Look, if you're only running a $20 million deficit in Florida for three years, rather than a $30 million deficit for three or four years, and that, you know, that's significant. Uh, so I, I'm not trying to just dis- demean it. I'm not trying to just completely dismiss it. 
but all this is is a Band-Aid. And the second that, I mean, you leave the un- the unequal revenue sharing model kind of with the understanding that the reason you kept the equal revenue sharing models that you hope this conference would last for 50 years. And it's, yeah. it's an acknowledgement that this thing uh, is on life support and it's only a matter of time until the plug gets taken out of the wall. You know, and you could argue like, what if the PAC 12 had kept unequal revenue sharing? Would UCLA and USC still be in the league? I, I think they very well might be. Would Texas still be there? Probably not once Texas A&M left. Right? I, I think mm-hmm. once A&M left, it was, not inevitable because clearly it was still a move that that shook the sport, but it was certainly something that Texas was going to be you'll be looking at. I, I think from from my perspective, what what's my motivation to say to vote yes on unequal revenue sharing if I'm Boston College? Like the way you're acting, Florida State, I have no reason to think you're going to be in this league long term. So this idea that hey, if I give up a little more now, right, might keep this thing together for a couple more years. F you. Yeah. I, I, give me all the money I can get right now. So I have a little war chest when I become a poverty program. <laughs> you got to do that. And, and, you know, you've ultimately, there's probably going to have to be some kind of, you, to answer the question I thought you were going to ask rather than the one you did. Uh, at some point, there's got to be some kind of settlement or payout uh, where some of these schools can take money. Uh, eight or nine schools can leave and Boston College, Wake Forest, et cetera, can go back to Dude. the model that they found fitting of them, which is to uh, love the hell out of basketball, uh, put play football, you know, six Saturdays a year in front of 12,000 people or something like that and, and just go on and not try to play. Uh, and I'm not trying to force conversation about the battles in uh, into this conversation, but I, I've referenced this prior, prior, prior and I'm going to continue. I do think that NIL has only ramped this process up more and that institutions are all the more aware that there are haves and there are have nots and there aren't many haves in this conference. Uh, and I think they've got to uh, repivot their focus and it's become, uh, it's become very, very clear for some of these institutions that they're, you know, that this, their future is playing schools in the mid Atlantic that are much more their size with, with priorities that are much more aligned to theirs. Totally. Um, we, we we cut this off, but if you run the, the Alford video for another 30 minutes, which is why we didn't, you know, keep it rolling. <laughs> he talks about some of the court cases. And I know I think we talked on cover three recently about, about the Johnson case, which the NCAA actually filed their their uh, supplementary briefs tonight, which is why this is top of mind. But it's basically one of the cases that will determine uh, if athletes are employees. Uh, this is something that the board commented that they think a lot of these cases have real, real uh, likelihood of, of going against the, the NCAA. Uh, I know that the you know, university president McCullough uh, said that basically the NCAA's, uh, you know, their, their, their opening arguments uh, did not go so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you read the reports and I, I, I've read the same ones. Courtroom hadn't been a f- favorable venue for them in quite a while. No, if you lose, if you're losing labor issues nine nothing with this Supreme Court, like you know you and literally, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, and I'm not trying to go super super late tonight. The main case that the NCAA is relying upon is legally probably fine, although maybe tenuous, but PR wise a nightmare. Their case, dude is literally the case where it was held that prisoners are not employees. <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to cop your student athletes. Uh, yeah. Wow. To, to, to prison laborers. I didn't, uh, that, I didn't um, put those two together. That's that incredible. is what that's that, that is the precedent they are relying on in, in, in Johnson. Um, so obviously if, if these guys become employees, um, this speeds up the, the need for, for this to happen uh, obvi- quicker, but it also could hasten an exit from some of these schools that just have no, no interest in, in playing on that level. Right. Like we talked about these schools finding another spot going to the sec, big 10 or big 12. If that comes quicker than we think, and I'm by quicker than I think, I mean, I think like more than, you know, like the next four or five years, that could also lead to a couple schools dropping out. 
which I think we talked about last August. Like, hey, eventually, I think some of the schools are going to be like, all right, uncle, I don't want to play mm-hmm. at this level. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that that Alford did mention that. Uh, also, something else to think about here. If you th- if if it, you did get out, right, and you had some kind of renegotiation, if you're Boston College, Duke, Syracuse, Pitt, the Hokies, if you don't find a home, uh, I already said Syracuse, yeah. Wake, aren't you suing the hell out of ESPN for interfering with your contract, given the fact they also basically own the SEC? Yeah, that that is why I, I wonder if... <laughs> Again, I wonder if most of this movement wouldn't start by by the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. Uh, I just don't see how. And you're much more the the legal background to comment on this. I've had numerous people who know this subject better than I say that that's another reason why schools would not accept an unequal uh, revenue sharing model. Is that what it opens precedent. them up from a, a precedent perspective uh, for any kind of future legal challenge as well? So. Uh, I'm not trying to dismiss it. I'm, I'm not, I know it's, other it's an acknowledgement of disparate value. Yeah, I don't think us spending more than five or ten minutes on equal, unequal revenue is worth doing because I don't think it's uh, beneficial to our listeners, and I don't think it's anything that uh, is not even a long-term solution. I don't think it's more than an eighteen-month solution. Um, I, I just I don't see it. So, I, I I tend to agree with you on that for the most part. Um, the the new consultants that they they hired, maybe they come up with something. Maybe there's some sort of, you know, eat what you kill, not in terms of ratings, but just in terms of, of purely for the playoff, maybe. Um, but I, even that, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just not going to vote for that if I'm Boston College or Cuse. Why? Like right. why? I mean, you know, it, if I'm an AD at one of those schools, I'm not going to be here ten years from now, most likely. Like the ADs don't last at schools for a quarter century. I, mm-hmm. I care about how much money I'm bringing in right now for my programs. Everybody's going to act in their own self-interest. And so like, yes, if you're the SEC, you could easily just, you know, jump over there, grab FSU, pay FSU a lot more, try to give a haircut to Duke and Duke's going to be like, uh, wait a second, what? Like ESPN, you, are... no, no, we're, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, How much do you think the Big 12 matters in this? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying not to get too fixated on my on how I respond to that and force them into being more important than maybe they are. But I do think that that's what you need to look at. So you know, Clemson kind of uh, immediately came out with you know, certainly didn't uh, separate themselves from Florida State's uh, statement. I'll put it that way. Um, I will, I'm interested to see how far this kind of works itself down the, uh, the conference hierarchy. And if you start to hear this from some of those middle, you know, middle-class schools, ADs, et cetera, then I think the big 12 has to be involved here. I I think there's got to be a third party involved in, if you are to even entertain the dissolvement route. So I, I think that's, that's fair. And I think a large part of this dude is going to depend on what happens with the PAC 12 with, within the next month. Uh, it, it is being reported that their numbers are likely to be closer to, to 30 than 40. Uh, I don't know how this is all going to play out. Like, I don't know if, you know, Amazon or Apple, buys the rights and then licenses some of those games to ESPN so that ESPN can fill its nighttime TV spots. Like the, the late night spots are basically the entire value now of that league from how I understand it. Like that, that's the, the those are, are, are spots for which ESPN needs inventory. If you're a streaming service, you really don't need like a late night live inventory because you're, you're streaming. You, you can put it on really sort of whenever. Yeah, you also those late night games hold a, a certain intrinsic value to gamblers as well, and you've got to get your streaming right for in game bets. Uh, yep. Like you can't you can't have a forty two second lag or something like that. Uh, and again, there's a reason I'm, I still have cable in my office. Maybe I'm extrapolating from my own anecdotal experience and the good people at Prize Picks, but um, you know that, that's certainly what I'm up at ten o'clock uh, 
1045 <laughs> on a Friday night, and I I want the damn live feed. So, uh, yeah, you got to. Who was that receiver we were up. betting under at, at, every week for Washington State? Because I, I realized they couldn't throw the deep ball. Um, shoot, what I'm derailing us now. Anyway, that, that was that was good times this year. <laughs> it was great times. It was oh great my times. Gosh. At one point, I was uh. Went back to Hampton, Sydney one weekend and told Christina that I was, you know, I almost won on prize picks. I almost won this amount of money, this, whatever. And she was like, just shut up. You know, you almost won. <laughs> you lost. You lost. You lost. And then we were standing one time. I checked my phone and I'm like, $1,600. Yes. <laughs> prize picks. Come here. Come here. I won. Come mm-hmm. here. Look at this. So, yes, that was the, that was a great time. Great time. But anyway, um, yeah, man. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this is, uh, Certainly, Michael Alford, I don't think, does anything accidentally. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know Peter Collins exceptionally well. I don't know Michael Alford exceptionally well. But those guys uh, knew what they were doing, and uh, there's a reason. And whether or not it was uh, just, you know, sometimes in life, I'm not trying to sound like a cliche machine, but sometimes if you don't like what the table looks like, you just kick it over and and hope that when it gets reset, it's a little bit more favorable to you. And maybe that's what they're doing with this, or, or maybe there's a, a more clear path to this that will, you know, make itself um, presentable over time. But, you know, that was Friday was certainly a moment in time and it was a distinctive departure from what has otherwise been, um, you know, in my opinion, private conversation taken public. If you're going to flip the table over and walk out of the lunchroom, people are more likely to follow you if they know it could be happening mm-hmm. as opposed to just thinking you just went off random, like a psycho and they're like, what's wrong with that guy? Mm-hmm. Right. If they know something's brewing and you might do it. I think that's, that's a great analogy there. Are you um, no. timeline wise? I have no idea if, and when this goes down, I would be shocked. Pretty shocked. If something happens within the next year, just, but maybe not. Like, given the magnitude, of it, I, I would be pretty surprised. Although, a lot of things in the air, man. Especially some of these lawsuits going on. Like that, that changes everything. It does, absolutely. So, um, yeah, man, this has been fun. I appreciate you having flexibility with me. This is somewhat uh, short planned, but uh, wanted to jump on and and uh, give our thoughts. As always, we'll thank our friends uh, at Congruity. I called uh, Matt Lewis today about another project that I'm trying to get him involved with uh, congruityhr.com is the website and uh, matt and his team are exceptional people i can promise you that many times over personally and as always the great team at for the table restaurant group was in tallahassee last week and but i can tell you the pretzel at township is still just as good as i remember uh township's a fantastic place very popular with the young people uh madison social is awesome and uh charlie park remains Tallahassee's best rooftop bar and something that I always make a point of getting over to. So as always, thank you to Matt Thompson and the great team at the for the table restaurant. Uh, also my son endorses the pretzel at township. So the pretzel is awesome. Man. It really, it really is good. Yeah. We we're all about to walk over to the baseball game and I made a pretzel suggestion and got a couple strange looks from people, but uh, two or three minutes in the pretzel was, uh, was what I promised. So uh, something to keep in the back of your mind. Are we, uh, let me see, interesting chat questions. Kessna says, Kessna always has good questions. Uh, what do you think if the top eight schools in the ACC join with the top schools in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, that would be a decent conference? Uh, yeah, I mean, if, and I'm not being a smartass, I mean, to step away from, from reality land, that would be a, a very interesting, but unfortunately you can't just carve those out. Uh, yeah, I would think it would be. I, I'm very interested to see what the Big 12 becomes over time i mean that's a lot of a lot of texas interest and then some strange outpost i mean orlando florida uh, west virginia uh ultimately you've probably got to pair some other you know uh, like-minded uh, schools from a geographic standpoint with those i mean i i at my golf club here uh, a number of the coaches at, at ucf are our members right and so like they're extremely excited that they're getting a lot more you know revenue to be able to play with um also, the travel to Lubbock, Texas from Orlando is not mm-hmm. particularly uh, fun. Or Provo. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Provo. That'll be fun. Yeah, that will be uh, – but it would be a good conference. I don't think it has the top-level names that you want if you're trying to get the big-time money. Uh, something Alford said in that video, and uh, if you're just tuning in, make sure you go back and watch the first 10 minutes of this. Um, 
are th- those games that rate at four million plus. And he said Clemson, Florida State account for more than half of the games that do do a four million number within within the league. Is Washington getting you that? Oregon will sometimes. Or mm-hmm. Oregon's fairly popular. Um, and obviously within that that 51%, Florida State is actually bigger than Clemson is. Uh within the Big 12, TCU's not, Texas Tech's not, Baylor's not, Oklahoma State is not, UCF is not, BYU does some weird things sometimes. So I'm not gonna say they never would, but certainly not consistently. West Virginia is not. I'm missing a couple here, but Oklahoma State might every once in a while. Yeah, uh, Houston but, is not. Big 12 is in a tough situation, too. Outside of Texas, just don't have a lot of people. I mean, if you look at the states that they're in, you're, you're in Iowa, West Virginia, uh, Oklahoma, even to an extent. Um, so for them to grow into Florida is a is a big deal for them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, see, this is why I love having the check. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and don't explain it, right? If eight schools leave... It's, it's understood that the grant of rights can be dissolved because that is more, it, it, it states more than half. So it's not just seven, which would be half, but it has to be uh, more than half of the schools. So uh, I do appreciate questions like that in the chat because it allows us to clarify things for sure. See, looking over my notes, make sure we don't have anything else here we didn't, we didn't touch. I mean, talking this 40 minutes, almost 50. Oh, I guess it is 50 now. I, no, I, I don't think any kind of ACC expansion is possible at this point. I, I'd be very, very shocked about that because I don't know, like, what school could you bring in that would bring you more money, or if you had to spread it across fifteen or or than sixteen schools. I, I don't really see one. No, you would. I mean, uh, you would have needed some. There's one, but they're not coming. Yeah, you would have needed. All right, so basically, ten years ago, the ACC needed to land one of a hail mary of. Penn State, Texas, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean that you had to get one of those three, and you're not. So yeah, so that is tough. Um, still pretty positive though, actually. Despite like this seems like a difficult challenge from a Florida we, State perspective. Yeah, uh, re- yeah. Re- reasonable confidence that that like. You know, we're not going to quit doing null cast because the FSU just gets swallowed up by, you know, a, a, <laughs> a, a sinkhole of, of conference suckage. Yeah. No, I think it, you know, I think Friday was a positive step uh, for exiting the conference. Uh, and I think we're being responsible in saying that this is probably like a two to four year conversation. Don't, you know, don't, don't expect this in the next 45 days or something like that. Uh, but this is a significant moment in time. And uh, I think that, you know, it's it's part of part of the pathway to, to exiting. And uh, when you make something a good question, Kevin, I'll get yeah. there in just a second. Um, part of, you know, part of uh, part of leaving a conference is being very clear that you're going to do it. And that, in my opinion, is what Florida State did. And, and again, not to get into too many ridiculous metaphors and from somebody that's watched the Sopranos probably 20 times at this point, I, I almost uh, align it with like the leader, the leader of a crime family announcing that he's going to cooperate with the FBI or something like that. I mean, you know, when the two most impactful uh, pieces in this formula, Clemson and Florida state have more or less stated that they are going, uh, then I, th- I think it's responsible, <laughs> responsible for action for everybody else to, to figure out whether or not they're going to, you know, uh, participate with uh, with the metaphorical investigation or not. So, um, Kevin, great question. What do you think that Peter Collins meant uh, when he said they had a handle on the grant of rights? Uh, but I'll let you go first on that. So I think that he means that they have a handle on uh, what it contains and roughly like what it would take. I don't think that he means they have some legal silver bullet mm-hmm. to pierce it. I, I think like, look, this has been an, an issue within the ACC is, you know, have different schools been able to send people in to look at the doc. You're not allowed to take a copy of the doc home. You're actually just not allowed. Like, I think you're not allowed to hold it, right? It, it's digital. 
Uh, and that is so that you never actually have actual custody of it so that it is not subject to uh, uh, you know, sunshine laws in the state of Florida, Freedom Information Act, elsewhere, just just, just broadly, um, if you're a school that is a, you know, a, a public school. And they don't let the private schools take it either because they don't want it being passed to the public schools. My understanding is you can go look at it with no note, with no paper, no recording, no no. You can go look at it. You can sit yeah. in a room and read it. Um, and I think maybe at a certain point you could you could see a like a one page summary of it as opposed to the full thing, depending on when you went to go. This is why I do think that the collaboration between certain schools potentially could be valuable here. And so I that's what I think Peter Collins meant. And I Peter Collins has not told me this, but no, I don't think he's trying to like wink, wink, nod, nod. We we, we got the silver bullet on this thing. Yep. I would be shocked if, if that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, I think it's the two things you said, or it could be a reference that they have a plan with how to handle it. Uh, sure. and, and not that, uh, again, that they found some clause that, uh, you know, some attorney found at one thirty in the morning that everybody else has otherwise looked over or something at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. And a plan on how to handle it does not necessarily, like, does not, should not be equated to a plan to get out of this thing cheaply or a plan to, to dodge the very real issue that is a loss of that much revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they're more than likely if they're not able to dissolve this thing, they have to get very creative. Right. Yeah. Which is, and, which is, which clearly plan B plan A is, is, is get enough schools to jump to dissolve the thing mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably all that I have, unless you have found some other insightful questions, Kevin, that was a very good one. Thank you. Um, Rod Nix says, remember FSU wants to be the preeminent. This is kind of a, from a, a conversation in the chat. Uh, FSU wants to be the preeminent re research school in the state. The SEC does not get them there. There's major money in research. I agree with that. Um, however, are, are we sure that like these college football teams are going to be actually tied to colleges? 10 15 years from now or do you think you could have you know the tallahassee football club which is the its legal name which licenses mm. Florida state seminoles from the school uh, it certainly gets around uh a lot of the problems that i believe will come with making athletes employees like title for, for, for the schools and title nine and um, to an extent, legal responsibility as to what happens with employees when you bring them on campus from an educational standpoint. So uh, if you recruit a kid who's already has, you know, driving issues and then he has a vehicular homicide, are you technically responsible for that? Because in other walks of life, you may be. Um, so I, I think that this sounds like a radical, crazy idea. Um I think this may well be the norm in 10 or 15 years. I, I think you're right, bud. The, you could see a situation where you have basically licensed brands uh, from a university, but is it truly like the Florida State football team? Uh, may, look, <laughs> may look and sound like it, uh, but it may not necessarily be a direct offshoot of the university anymore. Yeah. Um, the California bill on this is interesting, but have you seen this? I'm not fluent in it now uh i'll send you a copy of it very briefly california says that basically and this seems likely to pass in some form any uh any sport that makes like 3x revenue of of its scholarship cost has to share 50 percent of that revenue with the athletes and if they cut roster spots or sports to get around it then the athletic director has to take a three-year suspension, which this is actually in the video too. I I, I was already following this, but uh, Alfred and, and, and Caroline joke about this pretty good bit. Uh, you know, she's like, I don't have any comment on suspending the athletic director. And it, it, they, they joke about it, but, um, and then Peter Collins asked essentially like, wait, so that means that the athletes in the non-revenue sports would not be considered employees. And, and Alfred responds that that's, essentially how the law or bill uh, is written. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about AAU to, to say 
you know, that FSU is or is not close. I, I, somebody had told me they were closer than they used to be, but I have no idea, no idea how close that is to the actual goal line. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we need to lose ourselves there. Florida State's uh, academic reputation has only continued to grow. If you look at some of the highlights of the uh, most recent incoming class, uh, very impressive. Uh, I don't know that AAU membership is necessarily around the corner uh, from what I understand from speaking to people. And uh, granted, that's been a year or so ago, but uh, that's it's not a process that just happens maybe as quickly as, uh, as some would think. The other interesting comment, by the way, by Collins on, on that California bill was essentially not what they're not what it, what I thought he was. I thought he would say something like, oh, well, that will just cripple athletic departments or they'll just go away. He said, oh, that will be a major competitive advantage. Like he's thinking ahead. He gets it. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds crazy. But at the same time, athletes realize they can be paid as employees. That really mm-hmm. changes the game. You could mm-hmm. kind of see the wheels turning. Like look look behind him in the room when he talks on, on the video. You can see some other wheels turning. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That that news seemed to be more of a surprise to that group than the the, the you know the, the ten minutes that we shared, um, but it was interesting. Uh, Michael Ferguson in the chat says FSU is ten to twenty five years away from AAU. That makes I guess sure. I, I'm not really sure on. I don't know how how that is determined to be honest. Um, you know, I think the one thing that's really important to remember though is you got to make yourself continually attractive whenever the time does come so that you have a dance partner. We can talk about jumping, but if you're going to play the way you played from 2017 to 2021, you look like an idiot talking, talking out there like this. You only really can make these comments following a good season and following it up with another good season. So you're continuing to remain really competitive on the field in the NIL space and recruiting is, is vitally important for these guys to be able to get, get out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. How's uh, the battles in website going? I was going to say, yeah, that may be, <laughs> that, that may coincide very well on a current project that I'm working on, but no, we launched the battles in website um, last Thursday. Uh, had a great start. Have been really impressed by uh, the engagement that we've seen across all membership levels and uh, the follow-up that has been there, not just on launch day, but uh, on days following. So you can go to thebattlesin.com. We have six different membership levels, included a uh, $55 a month level ship, appropriately named linebacker level for a certain gentleman that's uh, over my shoulder here, um, our gentleman. Uh, and yeah, man, it's been great. Uh, I think it's a, you know, obviously I'm far from biased or unbiased, but if you want an avenue that, uh, that uh, has this meaningful an impact on uh, on Florida State athletics and, and Tallahassee economy and many other things. Um, I would suggest the Battles End is one of the more appropriate groups to uh, to <laughs> review and decide whether or not uh, you want to be aligned with. So again, BattlesEnd.com, TheBattlesEnd.com, and uh, we would love to have you as a member uh, at any level. Awesome, man. Um, let me see. What do you got? I know you have like an NIL thing this week to go to. I have to go to IMG on Thursday for IMG Pro Day. And then there's a couple a couple things in Tallahassee you got to take care of. And then we have uh, have Under Armour Orlando here, which uh, had a pretty loaded one up your way uh, over the weekend in Under Armour Atlanta. And then I think I've got – I'm going to go to Nashville for a bunch of short-form content. And then um, – coming back oh we have we have uc report miami so i'm really excited to come back and talk a little more recruiting you know over the next two weeks with uh we just haven't seen more of these guys in person yeah no absolutely i look forward to that i know you guys have been updating rankings as well and we can uh catch up on that on a future episode as well uh so yeah like you said i'll take my computer with me uh up to indianapolis if we need to record we can but uh, otherwise we'll probably be Back with you uh, first of next week would be my guess somewhere in that area. So also, uh, FSU fans have got to figure out a way to keep these five star running backs in the state of Florida. 
because <laughs> Steve Wolfong just crystal balled Jarrett Gibson, the number one running back in the country at IMG from South Carolina to Texas. To Texas. Which is where Cedric Baxter went. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Wilfong did. That's that's no uh, just run of the mill crystal ball there. That's excuse uh, me, not excuse me, Georgia, not South Carolina, but yes, the crystal okay. ball to Texas. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Impressive. Okay. All right. Um, I think we're done for uh, for the night, man. Enjoy. Yeah, it. man. That was fun. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate all the. People in chat, uh, some of the feedback that we had there was uh, very instructive, very much appreciated. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully this has been a, a decent perspective as to what we thought was a pretty significant conversation on Friday. So, as always, uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform, it is greatly appreciated. Uh, the impactful nature of discoverability uh, on YouTube is disturbing but uh, equally <laughs> important and uh, if you don't mind subscribing or liking this video it is uh, greatly appreciated by bud and i uh, and until then uh, i'm ingram he's bud this has been the nullcast and we'll talk to you soon <laughs>